epiphany. It's this discovery and surprise of finding God in Jesus. Um, if you understand the world that the Bible was written in, what a surprise. Like, there are these people that worship this living God, and now there's this human being that claims to, in some way, be God and carry the presence of God. So the discovery for people in that day to discover this in a person just had to be so amazing. And so that's what Epiphany is. It's about talking about the ways that we see God in Jesus and um, how that illuminates even our own lives and how we can begin to see God in us, in others, in our neighbors, and yes, even in our enemies. So Epiphany is all about that. It's awakening to this presence of God through Jesus and also in us. So that, that's what we've been talking about and covering. And this morning, uh, I, this is a bit of a strange story that I'm going to read to you. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. There are some effects in this story that go, wow, like that's, that's really quite incredible. Um, so uh, if we could get over the strangeness, I want to work this out together this morning. And I want us to maybe see how this could be true for us in the room. So you guys ready to go? You want to work, ready to work this out? I'm working this out. We'll work it out together. This is, how, this is how we do it. So last week we talked about the baptism of Jesus. And in Matthew where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And this voice from heaven comes out of nowhere and says, This is my son in whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And all these people hear this and somehow... This is Jesus' initiation into ministry and into life. He'd, he'd been, you know, studying and been a, um, experiencing life up to this point, but there was something that fundamentally changed in Jesus at that point when he heard this voice over him saying, this is my son in whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. And then we took that a little further and go, well, wait a minute, until that was true of Jesus, but until we hear that voice in our lives and in our heart, um, we all have a first birth where we're born, right? But there's this second birth and third birth and fourth birth and, and fifth birth, which is a journey of transformation and growth. Um, you probably heard it said born again. There are more, you know, I always think I wake up every day and try to be born again. You know, it's like because you have the first birth, but it's actually when you begin to have the second and third birth that you actually begin to waken up to the meaning of your first birth, of why your life matters. So... What was true for Jesus, we said is true for us as human beings. And so maybe we can awaken in this epiphany to a rebirth in some way that initiates our lives in the way that God made us. Well, today, um, there's a similar voice that we're going to hear, and you're going to see the similarities. But let me, let me start off just by reading this to you. It's in um, Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 1. It says this, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. And transfigure is this uh, word that means just complete change, a form of appearance um, into something more beautiful or more deeply spiritual. So Jesus is transfigured in some way here. And it says this, the Bible says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we 
or, uh, that we be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered, um, covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son in whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. The same thing we heard back in Matthew chapter 4, but it added to this, listen to him. Listen to him. The same voice, this is my son in whom I love, and whom I'm well pleased, now listen to him. Okay, what is this text saying to us? A couple things. First of all, we all need uh, a transfigured experience with Jesus ourselves. And I would, I would even argue and say we need multiple transfiguration experiences with Jesus ourselves. So here's, here's Jesus with his three friends, and they know him in a particular way. But in this moment, they begin to see their friend in a whole new light that they had not seen before. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I would imagine they're going, whoa, wait a minute. These are two, Moses and Elijah, two of the most important people in our faith, and Jesus is talking with them. It's like we didn't know he hung out with such important people, you know. And so they are seeing Jesus for the first time in a light that is making him more deeply beautiful and more deeply spiritual. Now here's what's going on right before this. Jesus tells Peter, hey, um, I'm going to have to die. And that's how this thing is going to go. Like I'm not going to be the champion that's going to bring God's kingdom in a moment. And then, you know, you're going to put a crown on me and I'm going to rule God's kingdom. The way God's kingdom is going to come is I'm going to actually have to die. And Peter says, wait a minute, no, that's not going to happen. That's not what's supposed to happen. And you know what, remember Jesus said to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. And uh, listen, if Jesus said, calls you Satan, you're having a bad day, friends, right? When Jesus calls someone Satan, you're really having a really, really bad day. But Peter is the guy that we made Pope and we built this whole thing on. So there's hope for all of us in this room because there may be this re rebuke in our life at some moment, but yet there's also this, like, God doesn't condemn us. He's re wanting to redeem us in some beautiful ways to be what we were made to be. So Peter doesn't get it here. And what he's doing in this, this moment right here, like he sees Moses and Elijah, and what does he want to do? He wants to set up headquarters here. Like, this is perfect. The guy that we're with, and he's with these two very prominent, influential people, let's, let's set up shop. This is, this is going to be ministry headquarters. And Luke, he actually says, if you go read Luke, in parentheses, it said, Peter didn't even know what he was saying. <laughs> it's in parentheses in, in Luke's account of this. So here's what's happening. And, and um, yes, this is true of Peter. And we could laugh and we could look at that and go, oh, poor Peter. But the truth is, if there's anything that holds any of us back from growth in this room, it's when we are unwilling or unaware that a season had ended in our life. Um, whether that's good or bad, that there is a moment for something to end and there's something new that's coming. See, epiphany for us is to pause for a moment and go, is there some transfiguration of Christ in my life that is going to move me from where I'm currently at to something new and enriching and alive. And I've known so many followers of Jesus who don't, that they settle it's back somewhere and they want to build these memorials. They want to build headquarters here. And um, I just want you to know this, that I think 
faith in Jesus is this beautiful journey that keeps going. And the surprise of finding God in Jesus for me has never ended. And I sometimes find myself within the boundaries of structures, of communities of faith, or places where, you know, uh, this is how Christ is being resurrected among us. But then there are these moments in my life where it gets bigger than that, and it wants to grow. And I've always been this person that honors kind of the structure because it matters, and it still matters for people, and it still matters for the world. But don't stop there. If there's something of a resurrection in Christ in your heart that you need to move toward, that even goes outside of the boundaries or the structure that you know, you should trust it. Because that's how we stay alive in this faith. And so I just want to say this, that um, maybe for some of us to grow, we have to begin to envision that there is a way to experience God, and maybe there's a way to experience our faith that is outside of what we know right now. Or maybe if we're in a place of, of um, there's, there's some growth that we know that needs to happen, and... Uh, you know, maybe we just, like, like Scott was leading us in this moment of transformation this morning, maybe it is kind of drawing a line and going, I can change, and I should change, and I should do what is necessary to move toward that. This season is coming to an end. And with Christ, and with community, I can grow and move beyond this. Okay, so this is what's happening here, and uh, we all need moments like this. But listen to him is what the voice from heaven says. And essentially this, it's, it's Jesus alone now is what God wants to say. And you even heard Jesus say early in Matthew, he says, he talks about the law and the prophets. What does Elijah and Moses represent? The law and the prophets. And what does he say? Hey, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophet. I came to show you what it looks like being fulfilled. But in order to do that, and by the way, in the text, after Peter says this, he turns back and Elijah and Moses are gone. It's just Jesus standing there now. Like symbolic, like God saying, no, this is how we've gotten here, but now we listen to him. And here's what Jesus does. He does not spit in the past. He doesn't, you know, throw arrows at the past. He says, we're going to take all that and we're going to bring it with us but now I'm going to show you what it looks like when it's lived out fully. So Moses and Elijah kind of fade out, and now it's Jesus. I think that is so beautiful. But can I just ask you a question? Is that true of your faith? Are there things that you've held on to that have got you to a certain point? And um, maybe we all need to go, are they still helping? Because what we've brought to these, this particular place of faith, for some of us, are things that we were handed down from our parents, um, you know, we're handed down from our childhood experiences of faith or even into our adulthood faith. But do you have something personal? And I know we borrow those things and they're helpful for seasons. But what I see for so many people is they just know what they know because it was given to them, but it's not really alive. It's not really awakened in them. And they haven't had these moments of Christ being transfigured where they continue to grow. So I just want to ask you this. In this a season of epiphany, is your faith alive in a very real way that matters, and that you're awakened to, and that your heart is moving toward, and your, you know, your life is trying to do this with the help of God's Spirit and others? Oh, gosh, I hope it is. Because if it's not, um, 
I think it's possible for every single one of us. So maybe we just need to try something different or open our heart to a new kind of, of epiphany. All right. So here's what I want to say. And then I'm going to invite up our mystery guest to do a little talking with me. We trust the Bible. And um, you guys, we don't, uh, if you go to our website, you won't see a bunch of lists of beliefs. Next month, I'm going to do a whole series on the Apostle Creed, the Apostles' Creed, which is this thing that's been around for 1,500 years. It has brought Christian people together, and we're going to look at that, some of the things that we're centered in, and we could, you know, connect us to our Christian tradition, but we're also going to explore the new ways that we could live this out. Um, so we're going to do that. But can I just say right now, the Bible matters so much because the Bible points us to Jesus. And that's why we trust the Bible, is because it points us to him. And if we will continue to see Jesus in this, I think it will guide our lives. I think we'll find ourselves bringing some of those things that we learned early on and go, these still matter. But I think we'll also find freedom and permission to go, you know what, I've been carrying that, and it's just, it's just dead weight. And it's baggage. And in some way, it hinders my faith. I'm trying to drag this thing along like it still matters, but it doesn't really matter. Or, or I need an understanding of how it could matter more. Um, so that's the invitation here in this epiphany. And then it comes down to this. When uh, Jesus, earlier in the book of Matthew, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to show you what it looks like. But he also goes on to say, I'm going to sum up all the law and the prophets in this. Do you remember what it is? Do to others like you would want done to you. He sums up the whole thing. That's why Moses and Elijah kind of fade, because now Jesus says, hey, I'm going to sum it all up. I'm going to embody what it looks like to do for others as you would want them to do to you, and then I want you to go and do it. And God's going, listen to him and do that too. So what does is, what is this all kind of come down to? Is love. God is love, and we can be more loving human beings that care not just about ourselves, or not just about the world of influence around us, although we should, and you can't really care about outside of you or care about the world at a in a larger way if you're not caring for yourself and finding that love for yourself. So this whole journey starts with accepting you and finding God's love in you, even with all your shortcomings and brokenness. But the safest place to deal with our struggle and our pain and our sin and all the things that hold us back is knowing that we're loved. And love is the thing that is going to guide us. So here's the way this guy says it, and then I'm going to fight up our mystery guests. Believe in Jesus... Belief in Jesus is seeing him as the gateway to an endless journey to God's love. So what does it mean when you say you believe in Jesus? It's believing that seeing Jesus, he shows us a gateway to the endless journey into God's love. Um, that's what epiphany is about, going deeper and deeper and deeper into that. Finding that kind of love, transforming your heart, your home and family, and the pla your place of influence, but then how that love can be transforming in the world around you in some meaningful way. And then here's the way this other guy says it. God saves humanity not by punishing it, but by restoring it. There are two utterly different forms of religion. One believes that God will love me if I change. The other believes that God loves me so that I can change. We are subscribing to the second one. Ideas inform us, but love forms us in an intrinsic and lasting way. God is always willing to wait for the lasting transformations brought about 
by love. God is so patient in all of our lives, but he believes that we all can continue to have these epiphanies, that we could have these moments of transfiguration where we see God's life in Jesus in such a compelling way that now we begin to see God's life and love within us. And it's transforming. It's the safest place, to be honest, about our sin and our brokenness and where we fall short. But his patience in our small-mindedness, trust that love ultimately um, is going to help get us there. Okay. One last thing, and this is going to bring me to our mystery uh, guest this morning, who's not a guest at all. But um, not only are we called to see a transfiguration of Jesus, I think we're called to see transfigurations in each other and in human beings around us. Um, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Uh, Debbie, my wife, I remember when she became a mom. I knew Debbie as this, my high school sweetheart that I love and this girl and then we got married and, and then we began to have kids. I'll never forget this transfiguration in a moment when I became aware like, oh my gosh, like Debbie is a mom. Like I didn't see that part of her. And there was this change of her form into this more beautiful and deeply enriching spiritual kind of being when I saw her become a mom. Um, this happens for me all the time in life. Um, my daughters, I remember I see them as my little girls. And then they grow up and they get married and then they have kids. And on the, I, the moment when I see my daughters become moms, a moment of transfiguration, I have to step back and go, whoa, what a change. Like, more beautiful more deeply spiritual and enriching to experience that kind of transfiguration. Now, here's what's true for me. I, can, I find this everywhere I go now because my heart is tuned into it. I can meet a stranger and hear their story and then there's this moment of like, oh my gosh, how beautiful. Not like me. I, can hard, I don't fully identify what they've been through, but I see something different in them that I didn't see when I started this conversation. So I think we're created for these kinds of moments. So, to help me tell a story about this, would you welcome Tony Rich, this guy sitting right here, please get, welcome him. Um, say hello to these people, Tony. Hello, people. We're, How are you? <laughs> we are going to sit down right here. In the, um, in the thrones, yeah, whatever it's called? Or? the thrones. Uh, Tony is uh, the leader of, uh, the president of our elder board and um, works with me through the pandemic to figure out how we were going to actually get this thing pulled off. But let me tell you a story about Tony. Let me tell you a story about me, and then Tony could tell a little more of the story. But uh, I was in transition of ministry. I was at a church called Crosspoint, and I was in conversation with a pastor, and uh, he was interested in hiring me. We had many conversations. And so uh, I thought this was going to happen like in a three-month period. So three months is going by, and I'm following up with this pastor, and he's like, yeah, we've got, we got a little bit of hiccup. We're not quite ready yet. I go, okay, maybe another month or so. A th what I thought was going to be a three-month transition lasted 18 months, which was a very uh, difficult time, you know, in my, on my journey of trying to figure out. Debbie and I used to drive past the church, Hope Park there, Tony. <laughs> Debbie's like, I feel like you're supposed to be there. <laughs> and, you know, we just kept praying about it, and like, well, do you think I should maybe go pursue something else, and so we would drive by it. And so, anyways, after 18 months, I get hired. Tony is a, he's an elder on the board there, and Tony and I meet for the first time. You remember that meeting? Where do we meet at? You could talk in the microphone there. 
I don't remember? remember that much. Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks. Well, I figured probably Starbucks. And so. I was meeting all the elders, and I was telling them, uh, you know, I was going to be the community care pastor. So I was giving them kind of my vision of how a, a community can begin to care for itself. And so I was meeting with all the elders. And I got with Tony, and I shared this plan of this vision I had, and I thought it was so great. And Tony, he smiled, and he loved it. But he looks at me, and he goes, how are you going to do it, though? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's no A, B, C, D, or... And I'm like, I don't think like that. Like, I just kind of see it as a whole. He's like, man, we gotta, you got to have action steps on this. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I totally blew this. Like, I just disappointed our, our, our elder. But anyways, Tony started working with me. I'm like, help me do this. And so um, we started working together. Tony, um, in those first couple months, you asked to meet with me. Tell him a little bit about what was going on. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I will share with you just as we talk um, you know, the Lord is faithful. He is grace-filled. He is immensely kind, and he is immensely patient with me, and I am grateful for that. Um, he speaks to me in themes, not audibly. He's never spoken to me audibly. But, um, <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, okay, Tony, I took you around this desert. I tried to show you where I was taking you. You didn't pick up on it, so I'm going to send you around again and again. And finally, so, um, so George... Um, you know, our team, our leadership team have been talking about George and, and everything. I didn't really know George. Um, I knew some people who knew George. And somewhere in the mix of all that, I kind of got the vibe that, you know, George, well, he really wasn't all that. <laughs> Just being honest. So, when I'm, so you, you see where I'm going with this. I mean, obviously, you know, the Lord was taking me around a couple of more times. And so, um, and I am a list person. For sure, A, B, C. I talk in stories, but I, I write in bullets, and um, and so I asked George if he would meet with me because as I had worked with him and I had experienced him and I'd gotten to know him and know his pastor's heart. What George did not know is that I was part of the reason why he wasn't moving forward, because senior pastor was like this guy George, blah blah blah, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's all that. <laughs> I mean, and I, I wasn't disparaging. Yeah. I didn't say he's a criminal or he's a, you know, or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, hey, you know, he's, he's okay. Yeah, but I don't know if it's what we need. You know, that's probably one of the stupidest things I ever said. Now, I don't know how much, because there were other factors. I don't know how much that actually, um, how much that actually influenced the decision, because there was a lot going on. But, um, but the Lord just convicted me. He's like, Tony, there is a strong potential here that you have done harm to a very, very good man, a man of God, a man who loves the community and loves people, and he's unemployed. And I know this about George, you know, and he's talking about, you know, supporting his family and everything, and I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've spoken, and I've really spoken an uninformed opinion. I didn't know George, but then I got to know George, as a lot of you have gotten to know George, and you understand exactly how foolish what I said was, if you know George. And so I, I asked George, I said, hey, can we meet? And we met, and I said, um, I said, George, I need to tell you something. And I felt horrible about it. I said, I think I may be the reason, or at least part of the reason, why you've been walking through this season for the last 18 months. And I need to own that, I need to apologize for it, and I need to tell you that there is no doubt in my mind 
that you are a man for this community and you are a pastor for this community and um, and for whatever whatever harm I've done through that I am I am deeply deeply sorry and um, and the Lord has humbled me over the years in a lot of ways but because George you know is such an important part of my life he's an important part of so many other people's lives um, you know, it just, it, even though we've talked and we're dear friends and every, I mean, I love his family, um, especially his, well, I love all of his kids, but well, anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to stop. I've got a helper in the morning. That's one of them. We'll just leave it at that. But, um, well, Tony, um, I'm going on. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. And this isn't, a, this isn't about me. The, the, the point was that I was so deeply moved because he didn't have to tell me that. He could have just went on and we would have continued to been been friends but with tears and with sincerity he wanted me to know that he was sincerely sorry and that touched my heart like I had no anger or anything I was just like dude people don't do that like you don't have to do that like I couldn't believe but anyways we it bonded us in a way but here's the point the point is is that there could be some times in our lives where we are misinformed or we are misjudging somebody and we might be missing out on something really beautiful and good and something that's enriching to our lives too and I've, I've, I'm like Tony I've encountered this because I'm I'm a little thick-headed and uh, so I just we want to say this now Tony you had another and this is what I want us to end on this morning because this could be true for for many of us here in this room but you had a similar experience with your father yeah so tell us a little about that uh, leading up to his death and yeah, yeah. the kind of um, the epiphany and transfiguration you saw in him. Yeah. Um, well, my dad passed in, in 2012, and he was career army. Uh, he did three tours of Vietnam, and, and he grew up in a rural community, one of seven kids, and they worked a farm. I mean, he, you know, um, they were well provided for, but, I mean, they, you know, he grew up, um, he was, he grew up working hard, and I uh, wasn't a real, wasn't real a, a warm, fuzzy guy, and I'm sure Vietnam probably took what little of it he had, a lot of it out of him. So, um, so I grew up in a military household, and you know, my mom and dad were were great parents, and and everything. And I knew my dad loved me, but my dad never said he loved me, and um, and I wasn't really super hung up on that. What I really wanted was his presence and his time, and. That you know, it just it just never really clicked for us. Um, and my dad was very stern, and what my dad said went. He was not abusive or anything like that, but he just so we weren't tight, we weren't close. Um, and so um, and so when it when it came time for me to graduate high school, I chose my university based on two factors. Uh, one, it was as far away from my dad as I could get and still get in-state tuition. Um, and two, it was the number one party school in America at that time. Yes, the leader of Railroad Board and, went to uh, college based on it was oh, the yeah. number one party school. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned a lot of things. You know, most of them had to do with alcohol content and uh, and and the after effects. But um, all of that to say, and I, I mean, when I left, if it hadn't been for my mom and who I love dearly, um, if it hadn't been for my mom, I would have never gone home. I would have never. And again, I didn't hate my dad. I just didn't like being around him because we just couldn't talk to each other. We could be in a room for 30 minutes and 
not say anything. And so, um, so in 2010, um, I started a business. I took a leap of faith, and I thought this is where God's leading me next. And, and later that year, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, and so because I worked for myself, I was able to spend a lot of time. I, I took my mom and my dad to a lot of their chemo appointments, spent a lot of time at the farm. Um, and, you know, my dad and I, thankfully, and, and early, early in his 70s, my dad accepted Christ, which was one of the things that meant so much to me, um, just personally as a son. And um, so he, um, he, he shared some things with me. And he sh I mean, I saw my dad's humanity. I saw my dad's humanity twice, like in a deep, like tearful way. One was when my mom had to have lung uh, surgery for lung cancer, and we were in at St. Thomas, um, and she was in surgery, and I could I saw my, I never saw my dad scared, and he I could I looked at him I was like that man is scared, and I my heart broke for him, um, and then when he talked about life my mom's life without him and the things that worried him. And I told him, I said, Dad, you have my solemn word as your son, that if it is within my power, whatever you would wish for mom, mom will have. And, um, and, and we, were, we were given the opportunity to deliver on that, and I think my mom would say we did okay. But, but still, you know, my, mom, my dad and I, we were not best buddies. And I've always been envious of sons and dads who were pals, because we just weren't. And so, um, so my dad died. My, I mean, it wasn't a shock when he died, but when he died, he died. Like, we got him home for hospice, and within 12 hours, he was dead. But the Lord was so gracious in that. My dad, my dad was so fearful of dying in a hospital. All he wanted to do was be at home in the farm with his family around him. And, and God, I mean, just in time, just in time, replenishment, man, we got him there, and, and he died, and we were with him, and it was, it was beautiful. Um, but you know, I, you know, it's just, I, when I go into modes, like when I go into situations like that, I go into fixed mode. It's about the funeral arrangements. It's about taking care of my mom. It's about taking care of the kids, the nieces, the nephews, everything. It's about the checklist and getting everything done just the way he and my mom would want it. And so, but then after, um, I spent a lot of time at the farm because he died in June. There was a harvest coming in. There's an orchard and everything. And so, um, so I spent a lot of time at the farm, but because I worked for myself, I could do that. And so I spent a lot of time in my dad's space. I spent time in his shop. I spent time in his orchard, on his property. I saw and learned things. And we had, we had his funeral. And, you know, my dad was always involved in stuff. If he was part of something, he had to, he had to be involved. And so... Um, at his funeral, you know, standing up there at a casket with my mom and everything, just young man after young man after young man came to me and said, you know, your dad helped me with this, or he did this, or he gave me, he gave me some good advice, and then he helped me walk through some stuff, or he was always generous, he was kind, my family needed something, and, and so I'm like, my first reaction to that was, where was this guy in my life? Where was this guy? Um, you know, 
because he never asked me questions like, what do you need or anything? It was always just, but he was, I understood now, I understand now that he was trying to raise me. He was trying to raise a young man. And, and he had a lot to teach, but I got to a place where I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to learn those things. And so, and then just things just kept happening. People just kept coming out of the work even months after he died. And I realized that the reason I didn't have those things was not because my dad stepped away from me, but because I stepped away from my dad. Mm-hmm. And it was only when his life was literally coming to an end that I, I said, well, dad, let me, because if I asked my dad, hey, dad, why don't you let me come? Help? Oh, no, I got it. I got it. I can do it. I don't need any help. I mean, my dad literally told me the first day that I let somebody else do something for me, that'll be the last day I ever do it. I will become completely dependent. And that worried him, that scared him. And so I said to myself, I said, first of all, I will not be that dad. Um, and, and, and I mourn that. I mourn that. I tell my kids, the, one of the worst things you will ever feel in your life is regret. Things, for, things that you wish you had done or things you wish you had not done. And I said, do not let relationships be something you wish you had done. And so that is why View Church is so important to me. That's why um, I love being here. I love being a part of you guys. Um, George asked me, you know, what would be, you know, key epiphany moments in my life. And I'll, I'll close out with this because I know Debbie and the kids are probably ready for me to shut up so people can go have lunch. But Frank's shaking his head, yes. Frank's like, he, she, well, Frank thought he we would go He was sitting here noon. by Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you, you, I mean, I'm going to share this with you. You may think it's valid or not valid. But he asked me, Tony, in moments of epiphany, being in my dad's shop and seeing my dad's preparation was, was the, the, you know, the relevance of my dad and that story and the epiphany of, oh, my gosh, what have I done? What have I done to my life without my dad? And it's all my fault. Mm. Um, but two other things. Media has been very important in my faith walk. When I could not hear what people had to say about Jesus, music and images were very helpful for me. Um, But years ago, I watched Passion of the Christ. And I watched the representation of what the Roman soldiers did to Christ. And I wept. And I wept not only because I was hurting for, you know, another human being but because I thought oh my goodness he endured that for me Um, the second thing was as I continue to try to figure my faith walk out and so forth is um, I read a book called experiencing God and um, and it was it was transformative for me in that it helped me to understand that I could know a lot about God like, I could know a lot about any one of you, but to really know somebody, it's how I, it's how I experience my wife, Tammy. I, don't, I know her because I experience her, and that is, and that, that for me, it, most people probably like, yeah, that's pretty obvious, but for me, it was like, okay, well, that's how God is supposed to show up in my life and how he uses Christ and the Holy Spirit in my walk. So, um, you know, again, I... I get spoken to in themes, and I go around the desert a lot. So I told George, I'm like, I don't know if I can narrow down the epiphany moments because I'm not real 
strong on well, the you, uptake. You just narrowed it down to two, so, three, well, or four. Yeah, so yeah. Well, that was I, better I than I thought you were going to do. I thought you were going to, you know. No. Six, seven. No, there, yeah, I, I did. I had several because I, I have a lot of learning moments. Tony, so. thank, thank you for being you. And thank you <laughs> for sharing. That, that's intimate stuff. And um, thank you. And I think what we all want you guys to hear is that it's not just an epiphany of Christ in our lives that in some way doesn't bring epiphanies in how we see the world and how we see others. Like these things work together. And um, I think, Tony, what we hope everyone in this room would do is if there's some relationship that's sideways or crooked, um, maybe it is your relationship with God, um, could you take an action and do something about it? Uh, let me know. I'd love to be helpful in that journey. Um, is there some, maybe some relationship, family, friends, work that has gotten sideways? What if in this, this epiphany season, you invited Christ to help you see that in them in a new light? Um, would you open your heart to that? Because that's what this is all about. And if our faith doesn't play out in that way in the world around us, it ain't worth anything. So, Tony, would you, would you pray for us? Because I know Debbie yeah, is exactly. ready for us to get back there for the kids. But would you all stand? Yeah. And Tony, if you would just send us out with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just here before you and we're so grateful for this day. Um, thank you for the time that we have to physically come together as a community in your presence. And we thank you for your Son and for the Holy Spirit that you allow to dwell in each of us. Um, Lord, thank you that we are in some ways not who we were, but at the same time we are not yet fully formed that we can change, these epiphanies can move in us, in our hearts, in our relationships, um, and just the way that we walk out this life. But Lord, um, thank you, thank you for just loving us and meeting us where we are at, and we do not carry the burden of being completely clean, completely fixed, completely fill in the blank, completely perfect. Um, for you to love us. Thank you for loving us and for your provision in this community. And as we all go forward into this week, we just pray that we will, um, that we will meet people where they are, that we will love them as they are, and we will just be present in those divine appointments to see what you would have us do and how you would allow us to evolve and change and help each other do that um, as, your, as your children. Go with us um, and bless all these families and their kids. In this room, there, um, there are people that have things going on, all kinds of things. So just help them to feel present, your presence, um, and bring people around them that will love and support them. And we ask that in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a great week.